Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Michael Unbroken Podcast. My goal and company is to give you the tools to help you understand your past, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story. This podcast is sponsored by thinkunbroken.com, and you can check out my new book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for mental health care, but instead, think of it more as a companion where we're here to support each other and to grow. Each episode of the Michael Unbroken podcast is less than 10 minutes, though sometimes that does not happen. So hang out with me, stay tuned. If you have questions, if you want to have conversations with me or you have information you want to share, reach out to me directly on social media at Michael Unbroken, or you can email me at michael at thinkunbroken.com. Enjoy this episode, my friend, and until next time, be unbroken. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Think Unbroken podcast, where our goal and company is to help people get out of the vortex, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately take back their lives. Today, I'm here with Monique Coven, who is a trauma and CPTSD coach. Monique, thank you so much for taking the time to come and be with me today. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. 
So I kind of just want to dive right in. Um, I think that for people who don't know about you, your background, can you share a little bit about your journey, how you've gotten to where you are, and, and kind of the high level of what it is that you do? Sure. So I was birthed, you could say, into trauma. I um, was raised in an environment with a mother that was not attuned, that was, you know, had her own really very, I guess, traumatic history. And so there was a lot of abuse and chaos. And I was, I, I saw a lot of abuse. I experienced a lot of abuse. And I was in chronic fight and flight as a baby um, all the way throughout all of the years. Um, and I, my father, I guess, couldn't take it anymore. And he left. And that was like the last straw because at 10, he was my, I guess, kind of safety net. And then things just got a million times worse. Um, different men coming in the house, chaos, uh, police, knives. I was constantly in fight and flight. I was always shaking, like shaking. And yet, you know, you um, go into your teenage years trying to kind of look like you are fitting in. And so I plastered a smile on my face and tried to act like everything was okay, but I was absolutely dying inside. And so um, I couldn't wait to grow up and get married and have the kind of family that I deeply wanted, which was really a loving, secure, attuned family. And so I met a great guy and I got married and I had beautiful twin girls and everything on the outside looked just like I pictured it would. But on the inside, I was feeling the same feeling states that I felt throughout my childhood. I was chronically anxious. I was just always afraid and I could not figure out why I was feeling the same way. And I had very typical PTSD symptoms like disassociation. I could not stay in the present moment. I would go into automatic freeze. I'd be triggered by all kinds of things. And for the life of me, I could not figure out it made zero sense to me. And I used to call it Groundhog Day because every day I would wake up and say, today's going to be different. I'm going to accomplish all these things on my list, and the same thing would happen. The freeze, the running away, the you know chronic anxiety, and I desperately tried to get help. And so I began decades of trying different therapies. Um, I went to a, I wanted to go to an expert, so I went to a psychiatrist, and I figured she's going to tell me what's going on. And she diagnosed me with generalized anxiety disorder. And I thought, great, good. I have an answer. Okay, I'll do whatever you tell me. And she recommended cognitive behavioral therapy. And so I, I really tried hard, but my amygdala was so activated that I could not relax. And so when I would go back to see her, I almost felt like I was disappointing her because I was not able to do her recommendations. And so I tried various forms of CBT, different CBT therapists. And then I started trying different types of therapy. I tried over 15 different modalities and nothing was really touching the symptoms. And 
I remember speaking to her and saying, I can't focus. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm running out of the house. I described very typical PTSD symptoms. And she never once said, this is related to childhood trauma. You have PTSD. Um, you know, I actually made her send me for an evaluation to be tested for ADD because that was the closest thing I could find on the internet to not being able to focus when really I was in disassociation so much. And, you know, it, of course, I, I didn't come back as having that. And so I have to tell you, I saw this psychiatrist for, get ready for this, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And this is because childhood trauma was not recognized as being related to PTSD. And that experience was so minimizing, going to so many different therapists and nobody, nobody telling me this is what you have. So that I just felt the same experiences that I was going through, trying to get help and not being helped. Nobody was giving me a framework. Nobody was giving me an understanding to my experience. And it was just completely minimizing. And so finally, I, I said, you know, I really think I have PTSD. And, and I just want to mention, by the way, I did walk into that doctor's office one day with the book from Judith Herman, Recovery and Trauma. And I said, I think I have PTSD. And she just like minimized that. And mm. But anyways, I took things into my own hands because I suspected I did have it. And I hired a team privately that was a trauma specialist, trauma specialist. So it was a psychiatrist and a psychologist that specialized in trauma. And they did all the testing and it came back chronic PTSD on the severe side because my symptoms were so debilitating. And that began, I thought like, finally, I know what I have. And then I just started attending conferences. I traveled to different places over the, all over the world to get trained, to get some understanding. And then I did, of course, a certification um, with the trauma recovery. I also spent a week at the Attachment and Healing Center training there as well. Um, and I worked with a trauma therapist on my own. And that experience was so validating for the first time, I felt like somebody had compassion for my experience. And when that happened, that work with her was so, um, it just shifted things inside of me, that experience of having a compassionate witness for the first time. And so I, um, I have recovered, which means um, I no longer would be would fit the diagnosis of PTSD because I don't have the experiences of the symptoms anymore. Um, I don't have chronic anxiety anymore. And I, I think that my passion, because I experienced all of those symptoms for so long, is the same passion that you have, which is showing people that you can experience life differently, that you can change, that we can have a different experience of life and that things don't always have to be the way they once were. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much that I want to dive into here with you because we have so many similarities, you and I, in our story, but also you have, we have so many similarities with other people who maybe they've been in counseling or therapy for 10, 12, 15 years, and they're not getting anywhere and they're spinning their wheels. I, I think, and this is my personal opinion, 
I think that the number one thing that we can do as trauma survivors is educate ourselves. Because once you understand and you have the baseline, everything else becomes palatable. Mm -hmm. And I think that education starts with understanding the symptoms, understanding how you get to where you are, understanding the mechanisms of the brain. So I want to go back and we're going to pop onto a few different things as we go here because um, I, I really want to take a dive into this. You mentioned the amygdala, right? So mm -hmm. pretend that I don't have a single clue what that is. Can you talk to me about the mechanisms of the brain and the association with trauma? I can do it in the way that I understand it. I'm not a neuroscience. I don't claim to know, you know, everything. I can explain it how I understand it. Perfect. And, and how I understand it is that we, there is nothing wrong with us. We were built with this ability naturally to, to, to be alarmed when we are in danger. It's just how it is. It's like, you know, if uh, a car is coming at us, we'll get that, you know, that feeling because that's, that's our design. That's wonderful. It's to protect us. But what happens when we are from birth in a situation where, first of all, we don't have this safe connection with a caregiver who, when we're distressed, comes to us and, you know, provides comfort and regulates us, we're left, we're left to our own. And essentially, we are, we are left unregulated and in fear. And the world in our little brain becomes a very scary place. Everything becomes scary and we become kind of hyper, hyper alert to threats in the environment. And so what has happened the way that I see it with trauma is that our amygdala is really big because it has been triggered chronically so often. There has been, I mean, in my case and in your case, our own caregivers where we're supposed to feel safe with, they were the ones that were scaring us to pieces. And we feared for our life for good reason over and over and over and over again. And can you imagine as a baby and then a toddler and then a child and then a, I mean, so th this is what I mean. Our brain becomes very conditioned to the fear response. And the world really does look like a scary place because that is our frame of reference. That is our memory. And anything that doesn't look predictable, we start to feel that same feeling. Does yeah. that make sense? To totally. And, and it's one of those things where you, I had a therapist tell me something very fascinating one time. And he said, you've had trauma since you were a child, you have been depressed since you were a child. You have been anxious since you were a child. You have had these symptoms of CPTSD since you were a child. Mm -hmm. However, as an adult, I could not rationalize that. I could not reconcile with that because of the simple fact that that was my entire experience. I didn't know any other way. Right. I didn't know that I was depressed. I didn't know that I was anxious. I didn't know that the fact that I was dissociated dissociated was because of the trauma that had happened 25, 30 years earlier, right? So one of the things that you mentioned is the symptoms of PTSD. Can you kind of talk about that? Like if I'm sitting here listening to you, Monique, I have no idea. I just know something's wrong. I just feel like the world's always caving in on me. I can't pay attention. I'm always lost. Like what is happening? How, how do I know? What are the symptoms? What is indicative of I may actually have childhood trauma? Wow. Well, um, for me, 
one of the things was I had a lot of flashbacks, um, both emotional and um, visual. And so I, as I said before earlier, I often felt the exact same feeling state that I did when I was growing up, when I was in the in my childhood. And the feeling state, even though it doesn't match, so it's like it's, you know, 2019, and yet <laughs> I'm feeling exactly the same feeling state as I felt over and over and over again as a child. So kind of the emotional state. Um, and visually, you can have visual flashbacks, pictures. You can also have triggers. So things um, you could respond to someone. They may have acted like your abuser or something that was really traumatic. And that might, you know, you might respond, like over-respond. Um, the other piece is disassociation. Um, and there's different forms. I didn't have um, the type of disassociation that some people have where they really miss hours, um, you know, long periods of time and so on, um, or disassociation or, you know, um, even derealization and those kinds of things. I had more that I could not be in the present moment. I had disassociated so much as a child that that being in the moment was just like, just like too hard, like literally too hard. It was like a fight. I could almost feel the fight. Um, so the triggering is a big one. Um, you know, I talk about this in my podcast a lot. One of the big ones for me, which made zero sense, like it didn't make sense, was I'd be in, here I was, you know, a young mom, whatever. Every day I, I'd be cooking food and then I'd have dishes all over. You know, you have to clean up. Oh, my gosh. Those dishes. I My amygdala, my fear response would be going off. I would be so so mobilized. I would feel so much anxiety. And I either would stay there and feel my feet glued to the floor, but usually it would get so intense that I would get into my car and race out the door because now I could escape. And that made no sense to me. Like, do the darn dishes for crying out loud. I couldn't. I couldn't. And I tried to explain that to therapists, to the doctor. And and they, you know, get, would tell me, read some organization books or, you know, but no, I knew that this felt very, very familiar. I was feeling the same feeling I felt a zillion times when I would be in the chaos and I wanted to mobilize and run out, but I couldn't. So those are a little bit of the, of the symptoms. There's, there's more, but those are the ones that come to my mind right now. Sure. Definitely. And you know, I, I definitely resonate with the dishes thing. Um, another story for another time. But uh, what, one of the things I think is really important to to note on is this idea of being with the wrong fit in terms of a therapist and a psychologist. Uh, there are many, many people, probably some who are listening right now, who have a therapist or a counselor who is not validating their experience, not necessarily for lack of care, but for lack of education. Because I had the same experience in my mid-20s seeing a therapist who just did nothing for me. And I would go and I would go and I would go and I'd just be like, dude, like you're not helping me. Nothing you're saying is getting me fucking anywhere. Like help me. Mm -hmm. what, what do I do? How do I find the right person for me? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've heard that with my clients. I think that your gut, like you said, you were saying, dude, uh, come on. I mean, as soon as your wisdom tells you, this is not, they are not hearing me. If they are not talking about, you know, first of all, if they're not trauma informed and they don't have an understanding about the brain and about how trauma affects 
Um, that's one clue. But also, if you're not connecting with them, it is so important to have somebody because I feel if we haven't had, if we haven't had that an empathetic, attuning relationship with our caregivers, we can have one with a therapist, which can be really healing. And so if we are not getting that experience with a therapist, if we're not feeling validated, if we're not feeling attuned, like I'm telling you, my therapist, her eyes, and this was done, by the way, remotely, her eyes could see through me. I felt her compassion. I cannot describe what that did for me. If I didn't have that, on to another therapist. You need that. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I I tell people that I work with that finding a therapist is like dating. And if you have to go, if you have to go on 200 dates until you find your person, that's what you have to do. Because I, I went like you, and I want to dive into this too, name a modality, name one. I did it. Because to, to me, I'm like, what am I willing to do? Talk to me about what it was like for you to step into that willingness. What did that look like? Because going and trying all, you know, 15, plus, I was at the point where I was like, I'm going to do electroshock therapy. I've tried everything else. I've tried it all. I've tried it hey, all. You I wanted hypnotherapy. Make me forget everything so yeah. I could do. If that worked, I would do it. I mean, I traveled to California with my whole family to find this one therapist that did this one modality. And I'm telling you, by the third day, I'm like, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, we do what we can. Um, So the willingness, oh my gosh, I have to tell you, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but my feeling is that trauma survivors, they want something different. They know within their core, this is not how it's supposed to be. I know I wasn't designed to live like this. And so I think that... There is a part of them that wants to heal, that wants to have a different experience of life. Um, I mean, I don't know. I wanted it from when I was 20. I just, uh, there wasn't a question. That's why I kept seeing a billion therapists. So the willingness, I, I don't know. I, I think it's there. I think, I think trauma survivors are one of the strongest, most resilient people around. And I think the willingness, I, I mean, I see it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that is inherently a part of of who we are. But, you know, you talk about the defensive mechanisms that are created for the purpose of survival. You know, we we are meant to survive. We are a species of survival lists. We are a species of nomadic people who somehow, despite everything, are still here. And with the advent of modern science, now we're living, you know, upwards of 100 years old. But there's something within, and I see this in the people I work with. I see it in my friends who are part of trauma. I see it in myself. Like there is nothing that stops me from going towards goals. However, that said, sometimes our goals are misaligned. Sometimes we go forward to the wrong things. My case, an example, you know, I spent my entire twenties chasing money, destroying my body, hurting relationships, destroying the people around me. And how, how do you... How do you come to a place where you align yourself to go forward in a healthy way? I have a theory about this. And now you talk about agreeing. You may not agree with me, but I believe that the only way that you actually seek change, that you really decide to step into it. And I've asked so many people this question. You could be the first to disagree. I think you have to hit rock bottom. I think that you have to have this moment where you go, okay, now I know that I want my life to be different, but the universe is telling me that it must because look at what's happening. What do you think about that? 
I think, you know what, rock bottom. I mean, it's, it depends on what you call rock bottom. Um, you know, for maybe for some, it literally is rock bottom, end of self, nothing left. You know, I feel like I was at rock bottom, you know, in my twenties, I really do, but I just wasn't getting the right help. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it is, it, you, yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think you do, you know, but rock bottom. I mean, I really felt like I was already rock bottom. I couldn't go any deeper. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I totally relate to that. So, you know, as you're going through and you're you're finding these modalities and you're stepping into just trying everything mm -hmm. as a user experience, for lack of a better term, can you kind of talk us through what that was like for you? Because I feel like <laughs> A lot of people are, you know, there's so much information now that it's overwhelming. We don't know where to begin. And then we're trying too many things at once. And then we're stuck even deeper than we were. What was that like for you? Because oh I have my own experience. Oh, my gosh. I, I, like I said, I think I tried maybe six different CBT approaches, all different. Some incorporated the past. Some only dealt with the, you know, with the present. I did some stuff that's considered like, you know, a little bit like, um, out there. Um, and I, I was really going to try whatever I could that would help me. And I really put in, I, my hope was that this, this thing would work. This thing would work. Um, I'm trying to think, um, I mean, it was, it was, it was upsetting when it wouldn't work. Like when I saw that I still feel, I remember one therapist that I worked with seven months with this one, never, she'd never talked about trauma or PTSD. I pointed to my stomach because that's where all my anxiety was felt. And after seven months, I said to her, when is this going to go away? And she, like, I thought, are we going to have to just talk some more? Like, when is that going to go away? So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I even forgot exactly what your question is. Yeah, I just, what, what was your experience going through and, and doing all these modalities? Okay. And just as someone in it, what was that like for you? Um, you know, I always came in with a lot of hope. And then I would leave disappointed, but not disappointed enough to give up because I knew that I, I, I'm not giving up. And so it was on to the next, on to the next, you know, on to the next. And um, that is that is just... On to the next until I find freedom. That that's it. And I freedom is to be found because I, like I said, I don't have anxiety anymore. I have normal anxiety like everybody else. But I used to wake up crying. I had so much anxiety and anticipating the day. And then the whole day was chronic anxiety and thoughts of my trauma. And I am living the complete opposite today. So we are able to change. We have the ability within us to change. So don't give up no matter how many times you feel like, you know, this therapy is not working, you know, okay. That doesn't mean that it's you that's wrong. You are not wrong. Okay. So on paper, that sounds great. <laughs> In practicality though, Mm -hmm. Talk to me about what tools you implemented in your life. What were the changes? What were the tangible things that began to happen that elicited this change? I love to talk about this because this is really where the hope lies. So, so I'll say what started with me, which I mentioned before, which was ginormous, is the compassionate witness. Because so many times in the trauma in the past, I was trying to get help from adults, 
and they would look the other way. I was trying desperately. And my traumatic experience was never seen or heard or validated. Having a compassionate witness, someone who sees you and validates and sees your experience and shows empathy, shows compassion, something inside you that feels like it died ignites again. You have trust in the world again. You have trust that human beings can be kind and that you are worthy because someone else has validated your experience. Now, I know that I'm, I'm not saying that I wasn't, I wasn't worthy before. I certainly was. I was born worthy. But having another person validate that, we are born for connection, was totally healing for me. So that was the first piece. The second part was really, um, I started to get an understanding about how our human experience is created. And what I understood was, was that I was in a whole lot of anxious thinking all of the time. And I started to understand how our feelings, our physical sensations are really related to what we're thinking. And so I used to kind of think that things were happening outside of me that was causing me to feel anxious. And that really made me feel really powerless and helpless. I felt like a victim to the world. But when I got an understanding of the connection between, oh, I'm having all this anxious thinking and my body is physiologically responding in that moment with symptoms and feelings flowing through me of anxiety, oh, I started to feel a little bit safer because I started to understand, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just having a lot of anxious thinking. And when, when my thinking kind of starts to relax, I start to relax. So that was really, really huge. And my anxiety level just kind of just started to really dissipate as I started to see that. And of course, all of those beliefs that I had, I'm powerless, I'm helpless, I'm not worthy, I'm broken. I mean, I started to see the truth of that, that they were not true. Those were beliefs that I picked up as a child. I believe they were true. I was acting from them. And as those started to just go away, you know, my resilience just started to, to, to come forward. And I started to really experience life differently. That's incredible. And that's very similar to my experience. One of the things I, I think that's really important to hark on here is with the understanding that we are the sum total of our experiences leading up to this very moment, meaning that we are constantly building upon ourselves. If we come from a background of our self-talk being informed negatively by our environment, we step into that as an adult once we become more cognizant and of who we are. What is the process like to begin to reverse that? Because I believe one of the most important things that you can do in this journey is change the way that you talk to yourself. What was that like for you? Yeah, well, I, what comes to my mind, I agree with you totally with everything you just said. What comes to my mind is that self-talk is that um, I wasn't aware of the brutality <laughs> of my um, relationship with myself. So I didn't realize, you know, if I would like example, the dishes, when I would go into a you know, a freeze mode, I'd be pissed off at myself that I didn't get my list done. So I would tell myself off. And that was going on all the time. Even, you know, as I was recovering, I didn't realize how much of that um, brutality I was doing myself. And what I incorporated and what I teach my clients is <laughs> just the opposite. You have to have radical self-compassion. I mean, that that has to be your new 
uh, way that you relate to yourself. And I know it's totally unfamiliar. Whenever I talk to my clients about self-compassion, they're like, what is that? Like, it's so foreign and I get it. But that is what we have to be able to start to give ourselves. So as an example, when I would do something that, you know, I didn't do things on my list, instead of telling myself off, I would be, it's okay, really in a kind way. It's all right. It's okay. And that did something for me. It really did. And I just started doing it more and more and more. And I started to relax because I wasn't whipping myself anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I I think there's an assimilation period in that too, where it takes time. And I'm in a place now where you fast or you rewind 15 years ago, the things I would say to myself, I could not imagine saying those things to myself right now. And so I think that you have to also be courteous with time in this, in this, because uh, the assimilation of becoming this new person is very difficult because the old you does not want you to exist as the new you, right? Or it does. I don't know. We can get into that. That's kind of psyche, right? But I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, like the the baby steps you take and saying the little things and doing the little things right. So if I come to you, at, well, actually, let me ask, ask you this question. I know something is wrong. I know like maybe I've dissociated from childhood. Maybe I remember there were some bad things that happened. There's blank spots here and there. All of my relationships are failing. I'm a workaholic. I drink too much. Everything feels very chaotic to me. And I know something is wrong, but I'm terrified to seek help because societally, this is such a problem. It is like the child abuse is the elephant of the room of mental health care right now. Where do I, like, what do I do? Where do I begin? What are my resources? Like, how do I even find a person like you? How do I, like, what do I do? I feel lost. I feel alone. What What are my actions? I don't know, but as you speak, I want to just hug you, <laughs> you know, because that, I, I can feel for that person, you know, that, that feels that way. Uh, you know, where do I start? Like, what do I do? I think um, what comes to my mind really is just sitting an acknowledgement really that, you know, if your wisdom is telling you something's, I'm not feeling right, you know, is, is, is to start to acknowledge that, yeah, you know, that, that my trauma or my experience has had an impact on me and maybe I need to talk to someone about it and, you know, begin the process of finding that right person where you can, you can start talking about it and looking at it and, making sense out of it. And like you said, when you get some education and understanding, it just kind of helps you feel a little bit safer. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's safety in numbers too. And I think one of the things, and, and I want you to talk on this also is building a community. You said that you put together a team. I did the same thing because I feel like there has to be community. I mean, I was in a men's group specifically proctored by a Gestalt therapist for a purpose. I was in a one-on-one therapy. I did CBT, NLP training. Also, I started training myself too, right? Mm-hmm. I surrounded myself with this community of people who could help me not only validate my experience, but like create what was next. Can you talk about the importance of community, right? And and how that played a role and why, more importantly, why you decided to build a team around yourself? Okay, I just want to clarify. I built a team around myself at the beginning was was for the evaluation. 
you know. Um, but I did find as soon as I got the diagnosis, I wanted to connect with other people because for so long I felt so alone. I didn't even know that I had trauma. Like, in other words, I remember speaking to a coach, a trauma coach, and saying, I don't know if this really constitutes trauma. And she heard me speaking. She's like, yes. So there's something about community and other people who sh can share this understanding because we feel so isolated in our experience and so alone in the world, like we're the only one who exists. And then when you meet other people who have been through, you know, similar experiences, there's just, there's just a sense of belonging and comfort in that. And um, so that was, that was good for me. Um, I do have to say that sometimes it, it, it can be good. And other times it, it maybe not be so helpful if people are spending a lot of time just talking about symptoms. It, it kind of sometimes is not that helpful. I guess it depends where you are in your recovery. But at the beginning, I found that, 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 you know, joining, joining trauma groups, um, you know, getting educated together was super, super helpful. And, um, yeah, I mean, community is so important. We were we were designed to be, like you said, you know, in a communal, to be together, to support each other. So I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I ask you my last question here, where can people find you? Okay, well, I also have a podcast, which I'd like you to be a guest on. <laughs> Would love to. Yeah, and my podcast is called Freedom from CPTSD and Anxiety. And you can find that on any platform, um, iTunes or anything. Um, I also have a uh, Facebook and Instagram account at cptsdcoach.com and um, a website if they want to get in touch with me at www.cptsdcoach.com. Awesome. So, Monique, my last question for you. Yeah. Is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Ah. I love this conversation, Michael. Um, okay, so what does it mean for me to be unbroken? I never believed I, yeah, I might have believed I was broken, but I now see that I was never broken, just like you see. That's why I love the name of your book. Um, I don't, I believe that we were born with resilience. We were born. And so how I know that, just look at nature. Just look at nature, how everything takes care of itself. We are a part of nature. We are nature. And so we have it within us to heal. We're always moving towards healing. So what it means to me to be unbroken is, um, I guess, just being, being who I really am. Not all the beliefs and all the lies and all the adaptions and all the symptoms. Those are just, those are just adaptions and symptoms. Who we are is underneath all that and nothing can touch who we are because we are, we're not breakable. How beautifully said. Guys, thank you so much for spending the time, Monique. Thank you for spending the time with me. Follow Monique, check out what she does. This is proof positive again and again that even if you've spent 15 years trying to figure it out and it takes you another 400, it doesn't matter. Just keep moving forward, guys. And until next time, my friends. Be unbroken. See ya. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. 
I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.